0: me. greetings to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those amazing tunes that just blessed your ears are of course courtesy of my friend, the lovely Bobby Mackey. And as always, I am your host, Tessa Morrow. You guys, it is fall. We are officially in fall. Best time of year. Yes. So when I first moved to North Carolina, we wanted to do some exploring, and once a week we designated a day where we would go somewhere, and we got to see a lot of neat things that way. So on one of our weekly trips, we went to go visit Moores Creek Battlefield, not too terribly far away from Wilmington, which is also a really cool place to go check out. The National Military Park was established back in June of 1926. Then, in September of 1980, it was redesignated as a national battlefield. A battle was fought here on these grounds between the Loyalists and the Patriots. No, no need for Brady to come back out of retirement again. This happened many moons ago, back in the early part of 1776. Now this battle could easily be one of the shortest battles fought of all time. Some say that it lasted no longer than 10 minutes. But in reality, I believe it was closer to 30 minutes. Still, when you see some of the other battles and wars that went on and how long they lasted... Like the Anglo-French Wars going on for 706 and a half years. Oh my God. Both the Apache-Mexico Wars and American-Indian Wars went on for 315 years. The Norwegian Civil Wars, they went on for 110. The Beaver Wars, well, 92 years. Then, of course, we have the 80-Year War, which went on for 80 years. The Argentine Civil Wars went on for 66 years, with the Italian Wars lasting 65. And a few more here. The Comanche-Mexico Wars were 49 years. The Caucasian War, 47. The Afghanistan conflict starting April 27th of 1978. And guess what? It's still going on. 45 years, 4 months, 3 weeks, and 4 days and counting. The Congo Civil War, 44 years. 38-year war went past 38, going on to 41. The Comanche Wars, 39 years. The list, it goes on and on and on. Literally, this is just the tiniest, iddiest morsel of handful of wars and battles. But I find it so amazing that some of these went on for several hundred years. 700 years? Oh my God! This means that so many people were born into this and then died While this was still going on, never knowing a lifetime without battle going on, which is just absolutely mind-blowing to me. So Moores Creek Battle took place within one day, starting and ending, before an hour was over. The battle left many men wounded, and 31 would lose their lives. The Moores Creek Battle was fought between the Loyalists and the Patriots. And it happened on a very small bridge. The 800 or so loyalists. They did not expect such a large number of patriots, well over a thousand. So, yeah, they were just a tiny bit outnumbered. The Battle of the Morris Creek Bridge, along with the Battle of Sullivan's Island in South Carolina, just months apart from each other, were the actual first open conflicts of the American Revolution. Not only were the Loyalists outnumbered by the Patriots, but the Patriots, they had some tricks up their damn sleeves. They actually removed the planks from the bridge, and then they smeared the remains of the bridge in lard, making it quite difficult for the men to cross. Seems more like out of an episode of The Three Stooges. We're going to be paupers. Paupers? Are you kidding? We're not even married. Why don't you be quiet? Oh, think. Or I love Lucy. Not in an actual battle. Funny to watch on TV, but I'm sure if you're experiencing it firsthand when death is right around the corner, it's kind of like, okay, this is anything but funny. The loyalists, feeling much like sitting ducks, then had to slowly walk across the bridge single file, and this made them extremely easy targets. This battle is pretty amazing. To learn more, you should definitely go to the site itself because it is really phenomenal just being there in person. I, for one, just absolutely love going to places that I've never been before and just soaking in all the history and what have you. Haunted happenings sure do take place here at the battlefield, and so of course I came with my recorder. And when we went, it was mid-January back in 2016, so not Colorado cold like I'm used to, but North Carolina still was a bit chilly, but not as bad, obviously. Now, when you go to Moores Creek, they have a museum that you can go and check out, which is really neat, and it also has a video to give you more detailed history of what exactly went down that February 27th back in 1776. Then as soon as you walk out those doors, there's a path that you can go on, and it kind of just leads you to different sites and things. You're just surrounded by trees, and it's just so gorgeous out there for sure. I was really excited to go onto that bridge, the place where it all happened, that extremely short battle. Whenever I go to places to learn the history and do a little light investigation, I always try to picture what it was like back then, whether it be an asylum, a prison, a battlefield, maybe not a brothel, (laughs) or anything else really. I close my eyes and I try to just go back in time and the Patriots lying in wait, probably giggling to themselves that they just took the planks off the bridge and smothered it with lard. Fast forward and now blood is just everywhere. Men are hurt. They're suffering. They're bleeding in excruciating pain. They're dying. Others continue to fight for their lives, yelling, screaming, some taking cover, others firing their weapons. Who would survive and walk away from this and who would be unfortunate enough to breathe their last breath? When we went outside and we stepped foot on the soil where the battle took place, I was pleased to see that nobody else was there, like at all, not one person. It was awesome. And I absolutely love when that happens. Now, during the first mini EVP session, they were all pretty small because I wanted to get as much in before people would come. And spoiler alert, nobody ever did. I mean, well, not until the very end when we were leaving. Then a little group came in, so it was perfect timing. We had the place to ourselves, and now hopefully they would have it to themselves as well, for a while at least. (laughs) While the first session questions went pretty much unanswered. My recorder did capture this whistling sound, and this obviously was not heard with our own ears, or I certainly would have said something about it to debunk it. Ever so the debunker, my friends. The recorder also captures these pop-like sounds, and I have had this happen in the past, and it's a pop sound that if you heard it, it would be very noticeable, very distinct kind of sound. But again, this kind of goes unheard by the human ear. Now during session two, the only thing that we captured was while we were on the bridge and we were silent, a man was caught breathing, and rather loudly. And it wasn't Justin, because He was on the opposite side of the bridge, and it's not like this huge bridge or anything, but like Lake Pontchartrain Bridge, but, you know, we were not that close to each other at all, so he would have had to been breathing pretty loud. Really, it sounded like somebody was standing right in front of the recorder and breathing heavily into it. It was that obvious. Now, Session 3 was a little more active, a bit more memorable. And I ask if anybody is here with us. And my recorder catches an EVP of a man's voice whispering, Michael. So, Michael. As this session is going on, Justin walks away. And the same voice comes through saying, don't go. A woman says unintelligible words. But you could hear the sadness and panic in her voice. Did she perhaps lose her husband during this battle? Remember, 31 men did die. And several were really hurt and could have died after the fact. Again, these are just very short sessions, so here we are in session four, and I ask, were you a loyalist or a patriot? And in the middle of my question, right after I say loyalist, an EVP is captured of a very faint and distant whisper saying, yes. And as Justin and I start to walk to another area, an EVP of yet another man is recorded saying, you come here and I asked if anybody else could tell us their name, and a man is recorded saying Vic. This is soon followed by a hiss-like sound. (laughs) Of course, we didn't hear any of this with our own ears. And for the second time, a woman's voice is heard on the recorder saying in a panicky voice, Help! And several seconds go by, and the woman repeats herself, Help! Help! Help!" While the recorder is my go-to tool, I did also bring the spirit box. And again, mentioned before, I don't use that as often as I used to. While we are on the bridge for session five, I grab the spirit box out and I am about to turn it on when my recorder captures a man's voice saying, come here, don't do it. I turn the spirit box on and I ask, what's your name? A man comes through saying Michael. Remember, I already got an EVP saying Michael Then a few seconds later, the voice repeats itself, saying, Michael, seems like he's following us. (laughs) Wouldn't it be the first time a spirit followed me? (laughs) And I ask, did you die in this battle? Surprisingly, a woman comes through the spirit box saying yes. Her voice is just extremely sad. Sessions six and seven was met with silence and really no responses whatsoever. And after session seven, We head over to the burial and memorial of the patriot who died, Private John Grady. He was the first North Carolinian to die in the battle during the American Revolution. And I believe he was the only patriot to die. The spirit box is turned on and sweeping through the channels. And I asked, John Grady, can you say anything to us at all? And for several seconds, there's absolutely nothing. No EVPs, no static, no voices, nothing. And I read the memorial that they have for him. I say, you know, it says you fell bravely fighting for your country, the first martyr and cause for freedom for North Carolina. And immediately afterwards, I experienced this just huge gust of wind passing through. And it was a pretty calm day. And as quickly as it came, it was gone. And suddenly this amazing EVP from a man is recorded saying this, you'll never run, you'll never know. And I ask, John Grady, can you tell me what you were? Were you a patriot or a loyalist? And while I didn't receive a verbal answer, a series of these unexplained pops are recorded. As usual, this goes unheard by us. I counted seven pops. Ow, that actually hurts. I do that pop sound with my ears, so there you go. Now, Patriot has seven letters, while Loyalist has eight. Grady, he was a Patriot. Who knows, but the pops definitely are something. I just still really don't know what. I conduct one final mini-session that being number nine. And at that time, we are at the Monument of Women. And I say, we are at the end of this tour. As I pause, we receive this EVP of a woman whispering, yes. I continue speaking, we are at the Monument of Women. I was wondering if any heroic women are here with us right now. And there's a plaque that reads this. Mary Slocum, wife of Lieutenant Slocum, Riding alone at night, 65 miles, succor the wounded, on the battlefield. Her heroism places her very high on the pages of history and should awaken in successive generations, true patriotism and love of country virtues. And as I read this, a woman's voice is caught on the recorder saying unintelligible words. The words come up between Mary and Slocum. I asked Mary if she is there with us and there's no verbal answer, but we do get a whistle. (whistles) Then I feel that something just, I feel like something's there. And I say, are you here with me right now, Mary? Because I feel like I'm not alone. I then get this EVP of a man sounding like he's speaking under his breath saying, who are you? Who are you? And before I end this today, I just want to talk a little bit about Mary and the woman that she was. She was on a journey that night in 1776. She knew there was a good chance that her husband, Lieutenant Ezekiel Slocum, would die during this battle. And it's sad that Mary, she has this horrible dream. The scene that laid before her was heartbreaking and it was gut-wrenching. The battlefield, well, it is littered with bodies. Among those bodies, she comes upon the corpse of her husband. She wakes up screaming. Did she just experience a premonition of the Morris Creek battle? This deeply disturbed her, as it would anybody who would have a dream like that about their spouse. Right? Just laying there all bloodied. And she leaves her child with the housemaid, and she saddles up her loving horse, and they head in the direction where her husband, along with close to 100 men, had traveled by foot a few days earlier. And it's said that as Mary gets closer to Moores Creek, she could hear the cannons going off in the nearby distance. But she continued on. She was on a mission, and nothing would stop her. Very much like her dream. No, scratch that. Her nightmare. As she walks onto the battlefield, she sees bodies strewn about. She then sees who she believes to be her husband. He's bloodied and he is motionless. She falls to her knees and mourns what she believes to be the death of her husband and the father of her child. She places the man's head onto her lap and she looks deep into his eyes. And it is right then and there that she realizes this man is not her husband and he is not dead. It turns out that this gentleman was a neighbor of theirs so they were friends, she knew him and he had joined her husband in battle. While he was still alive, it did not look good for him, but she tends to the man helping him with his wounds and his injuries, Lieutenant Slocum. He eventually returns, and he is very much alive, and it is obvious, though, that he has been through battle. He is surprised to see his wife there on the field, but he's pleased that she's okay, and they're reunited, and she is just so bloody happy to see that he is still very much alive and that perhaps this was just a bad dream. But when she walked onto that battlefield and she saw all of those bodies, it was just like what she saw in that vision. So very, very interesting stuff for sure. Mary, she helped a lot of men that day, dressing their wounds, comforting them, being with them. And what have you, are you planning a trip to North Carolina? More specifically, the Wilmington area? I really sincerely recommend Moores Creek Battlefield, drenched with history, and it is so peaceful and beautiful out there. I definitely need to go back there at some point. This week's special city shoutouts go to Marrero, Louisiana, Englewood, California, Pembroke Pines, Florida, Passaic, New Jersey, and Winsford, England. Did you enjoy this week's episode, my friends? Listen to the others. They are all phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to worry. You could binge listen right now by hitting up any of those awesome podcast platforms, such as Deezer, Hubhopper, Overcast, Player FM, Podcast Republic. Basically, wherever you roam to listen to your other podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. Do you have a spooky story, encounter, investigation, curse, legend, myth, or anything else to share? I would love to hear from you. I love having people on. The experiences are always different, so please hit me up. You can always find me on the Paranormal Prowlers podcast Facebook page, Message me there or at paraprowl at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week.